Do the McElroys did the McElroys exist in a universe in which there was an alien war? Oh my god. I think the McElroys exist in most universes. Waiting for a break in the rain. Waiting for the moment to change your lane. I came home from the wasteland. Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl. Created out of nothing like a comic book girl. Hey! Hey, everybody. Hey. Hi, what's up? Um, not much. Welcome back to the emotional space in which we all exist for this brief period of time. Woof. Yeah. How's uh, week two of staying indoors forever? Um, I ran out of onions, so I think I'm gonna die. Completely fair. fair. I like onions. I like to cook with onions, and I'm out of onions now. Red onions or white onions? Or yellow onions? Both. Oh no. It's real bad over here. All I, I have is scallions. <laughs> I am a big fan of various kinds of tacos and like just wraps and stuff. I made falafel and I threw it all together with some kimchi and some onions and a pickle on the side. <gasps> um, do we wanna have one person just do a like really quick summary of what happens in the book. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Who who wants to do the summary? You do. I do. Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't care. I was just wanted to make sure no one else was like married to being the one who does it. I didn't read it, and I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't read it. See, I did my <laughs> homework. I read it a long time ago, and I remember what happens, but I don't remember all the details. Okay, well, I have the Wikipedia summary up right now, because I actually read it, like, last week, so. I also have the Wikipedia summary up. I went to the fandom page to see if there was a more detailed summary, and it was the same. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And the Wikipedia has, like, a, this plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed, and it's because somebody (laughs) copy-pasted from the fandom Wikia onto the regular Wikipedia. That's so funny. Anyways, so um, basically it's the second journal. It's narrated by Rachel and the Animorphs decide that they need to figure out what they're going to do next. And basically the only thing they know is that the assistant principal at their school is a controller. Um, Rachel is friends with his daughter, so she decides to infiltrate uh, the Chapman's home as Melissa. That's the daughter as Melissa's pet cat. Um, so she goes in and she watches him communicating with Visser 3, the leader of the Yerks, at least on Earth. Um, it's pretty scary. Uh, she almost dies, but she acts like she's just a cat and doesn't understand. So she, um, is not killed. But then she keeps that part secret from her friends and goes back in again, um, Jake is with her, although she doesn't know. He is hiding as a flea. Um, Visser 3 spots her again and decides that she is definitely an Andalite bandit. Um, and we find out something really interesting, which is that Yerks can rebel, or sorry, hosts can rebel against Yerks because Chapman rebels against the Yerk who is controlling him. Um, 
when his daughter is threatened and then uh yeah that's basically it they escape and there's another fight awesome was that good was that too detailed no, no, no that, that, i think that's perfect It was really interesting to me because I feel like it's it's very early on in the timeline, you know, in the, the like three year timeline, but it is already so obvious from this reading, like what Rachel was going to end up being like. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the main points that we should go over in this one is that we got a new perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Each book is uh, committed to one perspective per character. Um, because allegedly each kid wrote each book. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly they <laughs> planned it all from the beginning and divvied up what they wanted and whose experience was most valid and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, or PTSD yes. is valid. <laughs> uh, I think Rachel's experience is really interesting here. And I was very excited when she morphed a cat because... I would like to do that for sure. Um, And that was like a a really interesting thing, even if what she saw as a cat was um, absolutely terrifying. What did you think, uh, Brad? Um, Yeah, I this makes me love Rachel even more. Mm. Um, I get that they're all problematic, whatever. I love her. So, yeah, can we talk about why why did she not tell her friends about the first her first encounter with Visor Three and Mr. Chapman, right? Like she goes there once and then she lies to her friends. But like what why? It's a good question. Cassandra, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that we really see over and over again throughout the course of the history of the first, you know, few years of the war is that um, Rachel was always very invested in being the brave one um, to the point where it was a serious detriment um, to the functioning of the Animorphs and to her own mental health, to her relationships with other people. Um, And so... But damn, if that isn't a mood. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is a mood. You know, I've been there. Agreed. Absolutely. I mean, what would you do? You know, if you had that that power all of a sudden, wouldn't you want to be the one who like made all the brash decisions and like morphed the biggest, most powerful creatures? And like, you know, if you feel like especially your personality has been contained or suppressed by like other people in your life, being able to express that with like a newfound like ability to do something that no one else can is like I would that's huge for my brain. <laughs> I don't remember if they say it here or say it later who's narrating. It might be Jake narrating um in a much later book, but someone's or it might be Marco. Um someone says that um Rachel really was very well suited to essentially being at war and that she had kind of always had this sort of headstrong warrior aspect to her personality that didn't always fit in very well with the life that she had to lead as like a, you know, suburban valley girl um, sort of person. I don't, might not actually be valley, but you know, the sort of 
blonde, loves shopping, loves clothes. Yeah, and yeah. That can, just I, really... can I cut in for a sec? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is morphing uh, Rachel's escape from the strictures of compulsory femininity. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, 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 yes. This is, this is basically what I was saying, but like much more concise. It was very concise. Good job, Brad. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, they all have, it, it all means something like different to each of them. I, I think that these, like, I think that's why people connect so deeply with these. They, like, I mean, people fantasize about a variety of superpowers, but in terms of shape-shifting and what, like, your form ends up meaning to you and how you use that power and how each person uses it differently is, like, I mean, it's so, it's so hard not to identify with that in my perspective. Yeah, and one thing that I was thinking about with, like, Rachel being really well-adjusted to this is how I'm finding that... Um, my specific genre of anxiety disorder is very well suited to a disastrous pandemic situation um, <laughs> because it's finally like, hey, I have something to be anxious about that is totally rational to be anxious about. If I wasn't being anxious, that would be the weird thing. <laughs> being anxious is normal and okay. And here are concrete things I can do to help my anxiety, like not going outside too much and washing my hands and helping others who are more vulnerable by doing mutual aid efforts. Um, so I, you know, we were talking last discussion about some ways in which uh, we can relate our current situation to what the Animorphs went through, especially in the early days. And that was something that occurred to me. Absolutely. I mean, that's the question that is asked of everyone now. How do you, how do you deal with what's going on? Do you, do you deal with it? Yeah. Like, how does your mental health cope does it does it spring into action who becomes the leader who becomes like you know follower who becomes the strategist i think that there's all like every person has various strengths and it sucks that like we have to value them that way when it comes to times of conflict it's like okay well what are you good at and this is what you can be used for but like also in dire situations in dire situations sometimes you have no choice and i don't think that these kids had a choice really obviously yeah i mean marco tried not to be involved and that didn't work that yeah <laughs> he's like i mean they're all incredibly it's important to each of them yeah and i mean in a few um journals we really find out why Marco can't uh, stay out of the conflict. Thanks for that foreshadowing, metatextual foreshadowing. Moving on. <laughs> so let's talk about precisely what happens in with the scene with um, Visser Three and the principal of the school, Chapman. Because that was pretty, pretty spooky. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I'm just looking through the document wow i completely just misread um some of rachel's narration as i just really wanted to jerk off oh my god what what grade are we in <laughs> <laughs> I, no because it's it's the beginning of it's the beginning what, of chapter what did five. she actually say what did <laughs> it's the beginning of chapter
chapter five, and she says, "I wanted to tell the, I wanted to tell the jury to step that? off." They're so young. Shh. But I was scrolling past it trying oh to find the part that you were referencing, <laughs> Urso. <laughs> okay, I'm at the part that you were talking about the first time she goes in as the cat. Yeah. What did you want to say? What did you want to say about no, it? No, I was just saying we should talk about it because it was scary. Oh. It was like really intense and like the part of the point of this um this book. You know, it was the focal point. What did you think about this part, Brad? Um I was I wanted to hear what uh what y'all thought about why she kept it secret. Um because they just ended up going back again. Go on. Um, maybe it was because she was trying to, she was interested in helping Melissa, maybe. I sort of think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a combination of wanting to help Melissa, um, wanting to be the brave one and not have people worry about her. Um, and I do think there is also an element of her um, getting, not like addicted necessarily, but really enjoying the cat form a lot um and i think sort of seeing the cat form as a little bit of an escape from the stress she's under because she is the cat is very confident and assertive and feels like you know everything will turn out right um so i think there's a lot of very complex motivations going into that decision yeah that's super perceptive thank you mm-hmm. I'll, I wanted to talk about how this sort of opens up the universe a little bit more. That's. I'm sorry, before we get back into it, I do just want to say that my brain immediately went, I want to talk about porn for birds. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to talk about pornography for birds. I'm going to need a sec. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on. I'm like, I'm probably bright red right now from watching oh, yeah. porn. <laughs> I really want to talk about this is why this is how this got started. My water bottle, I'll be right back. Dab. No one uses fax machines, but call you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and What happens in this book opens up the universe a little bit more and we get more of a perspective on like how the Yerks work, sort of. We talked a little bit about like the hosts can like I mean the Yerks. Nope, I don't. <laughs> um Yeah, so I also think it's like cool to see the hierarchy a bit and the technology that's involved and like it's all super goofy but also like terrifying i guess i don't I remember scaring it it's scaring me yeah it's pretty scary that something could like enter your brain and control you and that you could sort of still be aware get in the in the sunken place uh, i know oh my god the way that they describe it always was really good to me how you're just like a prisoner in your own mind and like you watch everything happen and that feeling of powerlessness is definitely 
a metaphor among the rest of the metaphors in the book. Yeah, and the fear of that can be used to justify a lot of shit because mm -hmm. it's just so horrible and so evil that you can get a lot of mean uh, ends justifying means um, when you're up against an evil like that. Absolutely. And I don't think the jokes are all evil. Like, the, but the concept of what they're what specifically the like going into somebody's brain and taking over their body. Well, yeah, but they kind of have to do it. Well, that's that's what's the like interesting about it is that it's part of their physiology. So you also have to like ask yourself like, what's the morality here, and like, well, who yeah, am I? If we, I mean, this? obviously, this is real, and this is a. I'm gonna give a fictional example, but like the trills in Star Trek have a symbiotic relationship, and they like, they're like, uh slugs that go into their bodies and are affect their brains and who they are like they like are reverent of them and they like relish the opportunity like only one in some several thousands of trills get an opportunity to become a symbiote a, a symbiote um or a host to host to a symbiote the symbiotes are the are the mm. slugs and like that sort of culture and that like symbiotic relationship means that people want that. Um, but the Yerks, uh, they just take and they also are continually expanding. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting comparison because I don't know. I mean, I, I do think part of what um, like it's, I think it, I mean, it's called the Yurk Empire, right? So, like, yeah, they're imperialists. Yeah, this is like, and so are the Andalites. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, ooh, prince think, this, prince that. Ooh, mm -hmm. you're my prince. My prince, yes. Um, yeah, and I think, um, Oh hell yes! Oh hell yes! One ah uh, yes! I'm 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 sorry. I'm playing 2048, and I got really far. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> have you seen the version of 2048 that's 2048, but instead you're trying to get a PhD? <laughs> that's so funny. I hate that. Oh my god! <laughs> I like hate it, but also love it, and I play it semi regularly. Anyways, um, yes. <clears throat> So as I was saying before we got severely interrupted, um, was that like they're imperialists and that doesn't make them like inherently bad, but like they're portrayed. No, 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 it, it makes the empire inherently bad, but it doesn't make like each individual yerk. Okay, yes. In, like inherently bad. <laughs> I'm not, definitely not gonna apologize for imperialism, um, but like, it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to see um, how, like, the relationship, I, I think that's kind of what always, like, messed me up the most about these books, is that, like, they kind of, like, have, like, a really fun, childish sort of perception of, like, really messed up psychology stuff, and, like, like, I don't know, the relationship that the year can have to the host body is, like, Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, so I mean, scary. I think 
I think that's kind of, since they were writing these, I think that is probably, I mean, we assume they were writing these. I think that is probably kind of how they were thinking about it and how they were seeing it was, um, you know, you know, writing quality being what it is. Um, <laughs> but they, I think, I feel like, especially in the early journals, it, takes a while for it to really sink. I mean, we see it a lot here, especially for Rachel, because she witnesses Chapman struggling against um, Innis. I don't remember the number. Um, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Innis, Innis 226. Um, she sees Chapman and Innis 226 struggling for control, and so that definitely does make it more obvious um, how messed up this relationship can be without consent um, from the host. Well, no, I get I it's coerced anyway. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I was like Chapman did technically agree, um, but yeah. So I think that definitely does take a while for it to sink in um for the kids you know jake's got a little bit because he's around tom but he barely ever sees tom struggle like so far um so i think that's that's part of it is that the kids um they are kids and for them it's like yeah everything's horrible and we're laying the ground for like horrible trauma that will haunt us for the rest of our tragic lives but hey we can turn into animals we love turning into animals i mean yeah I love I mean, that's, to it's... describe in excruciating body horror terms what it's like to turn into animals <laughs> that's kind of just what war always does and it's a huge topic in the book later and it's like we get to see all these really interesting individual stories um but yeah let's let's um let's move on um yeah did anyone have like a favorite moment or line or like character in this one obviously we all really identify with rachel so yeah i really identify with melissa too Mm -hmm. like being a kid and there being i think there's a lot of metaphors and a lot of things that are like or not metaphors but there's a lot of things that reflect real world situations Mm -hmm. not related to aliens (laughs) like (laughs) When, when things are going on with your parents and you're a kid, so you don't know what's sort of going on, but what you get from it is, oh, your parents aren't as present, and you think it's because of you, like people who think their parents are getting divorced because of them, mm-hmm. or when parents are hiding financial difficulties and not talking to the kids about it. Um, it can, yeah, it can make the kids blame themselves. Yeah, I think what Rachel did, leaving Melissa a note, was very reckless, but also understandable. Just wanting to assure her that her parents love her, even if she doesn't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like a character, for a character who's characterized by like her brashness and her like capacity to be thoughtless she's here at least very thoughtful though i don't know this might just me be this might just be me being cynical but i kind of feel like if i was in melissa's situation and i just got this totally random anonymous note in my locker being like don't worry your dad loves you i would be more like creeped out (laughs) and confused than i would be reassured i would just be like 
who sent this? Why are they spying on me? How did they know I was worried about this? Why is this such a generic platitude? Why won't they tell me what's going on? You know, mm -hmm. is this a prank? That's also fair. Yeah, it depends on, I guess, how much magical thinking is sort of involved in that. Like, how much you're willing to, like... Maybe there's a whole lost journal from Melissa doing uh, investigative work trying to Ooh. find out who sent this. I can't remember how much Melissa pops up. I think I think she comes up a few more times. But yeah, um, I mean, this might just be kind of an uncharitable reading, knowing how Rachel developed or didn't develop as a person. But it does feel a little bit more like something she's doing for herself um, to make herself feel better. Yeah. Which is... Not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. Rachel has like a functional home life, right? Yeah, um, her parents are divorced, I think. I don't think it was like a bad divorce, if I remember correctly. I think they get along. Yeah, because Marco and yeah, because you know, uh. yeah, like Marco and Tobias have very dysfunctional Awful. yeah <laughs> uh home lives marco's been uh per what's the what's the word for when you're you're uh put into a position of parenting your parent i think that's what it's called um, parentification yeah yeah no really no that is what it's called huh yeah i i i, I happen to know a lot about this i called it just yell yelling at my mother to stop touching jellyfish <laughs> no it's parentification okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like marco's in that position and then tobias is obviously like very neglected yeah. to the point where his aunt and uncle didn't even realize that he had turned into a bird and disappeared i know how messed up yeah. is that and then to have to be for yourself in like not just as like a kid but also like you have to figure out how to be a bird what <laughs> yeah it's it's intense for all these characters uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Rachel doesn't understand necessarily fully what it's like to have a really messed up home life and is just feels guilty about that, especially because she has two friends who have really messed up mm. home lives. Yeah. She's like, this is something I can do something yeah. about, even if it's actually a bad idea and not actually. One helpful. thing that I just thought of um, is that. A lot is made of the fact in the journals and in other historical documents and all that kind of stuff about how Rachel and Jake were cousins. Rachel and Tom were also cousins. Like, thinking about yeah. bad home lives, Jake's is mostly good except for the tension of knowing his brother is a controller. But his brother is also Rachel's first cousin, I believe. Um, they're first cousins, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that and Rachel, I think at least in the earlier journals doesn't talk about it a bunch. I think she might talk about it much later on. But um yeah, that is that is also Rachel's first cousin as well as Jake's brother is a controller. So it is affecting her. I don't know how much their families really hung out together, but it is touching her home life in that way. Mhm. Mm yeah, it slowly it slowly encroaches closer and closer to like their personal lives, especially um, yeah, in the books that are to come, I think. Okay, well, I feel like that uh, wraps it up. Um, yeah, totally. We could like cover a lot of really good stuff. 
Well, stay safe, everyone. Talk to y'all next week. Yes. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl off the EP Field Notes from Another Place and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of Noelle's music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Hamlet Cooper, and Bly. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Potomorphs, tweet at us or send us an email and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stopping Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page 11 like a comic book girl. Hey! 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 That makes one of us that would like to talk about pornography for birds. <laughs> Tobias has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Can we keep that? In?